only mind here. Through our gates. Men, women, and children will die by their thousands if we do nothing. Let them die. We got our own to worry about. Less enemies for us. Phew. professors for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tonight's lecture will be given by Professor Stannis Baratheon. Suffice to say there are slightly less seconds in this episode than a moment ago when you clicked play. Or is that fewer? Only time will tell. Maybe the answer will become clear as this episode progresses. We are your interim professors for the span of this episode. Thank you for tuning in. This is Game of Owns. We're here for you. Yeah. We've always Good been. Good to be back. And I'd like to say that we always will be, but sometimes you must kill the boy. On this 275th episode. Ah. Oh, man. A bit of a landmark, a little bit of a milestone. Yep. Yeah, centuries old. I don't know if it'll ever be made this way again. Man, we're 11 quarter centuries. We're <laughs> 11 quarter hundreds old. Apparently, Eric needs to go to math class. Yeah, so. it's tricky math here. Tricky, tricky yeah, math. Yeah, it's very tricky. Uh this is the first episode that we got to see that wasn't leaked on the internet. And just the whole feeling surrounding it was much different in terms of nobody knew what was going to happen. And there was nothing out there on the interwebs or on social media where you could potentially get spoiled. And I thought that really the other side of it that was interesting to me was that from a sullied perspective, you were developing even more storylines where you weren't entirely sure where they were going. So hmm. sullied was sitting in the same seats as the unsullied, kind of like Stannis was sitting amongst the Night's Watch. He was just watching <laughs> he's, silently. He's just a man of the people. And just think about that. The king, <laughs> the proclaimed king the of this king. land the one true king, according yes. to Davos, is just the sitting there next to Davos, his right-hand man, well, kind of. I think he was chewing sunflower seeds. Yeah, you know, he he's just sitting there critiquing the speech, critiquing, you know, <laughs> pointing out grammar mistakes. Yeah, it, I, I really felt like the, the, the writers have done such an amazing job endearing Stannis as a character to the audience. And I know that has a lot to do with Stephen Delane and his portrayal of him, but he's just had these moments. He had a moment with Sam in this episode. Yes. Keep reading Samuel Tarly. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's cool. And you never would have expected this character to be a cool character back on Dragonstone when, you know, he was all curmudgeonly. And, and, and now he's actually like, he's had some good one liners and, you had that scene with Shireen last episode. It's just... Yeah. It's happening. It's character development, yeah. And we can't go any further into the episode without holding up hands of applause for Brian Cogman's places of mystery, places of unrest, places of unknown. Not to be redundant, but the place we visited toward the end of this episode that is going to be on our minds for the next several consecutive blocks of days, hours... I hope that we get to see it again. I'm not sure what mechanic that would serve, but it, it was uh, it was uh, dive into what a place, real ice and fire lore, and uh, and, and insanely exciting. But yes, yeah, Stannis Baratheon. I'd like to say that 
I saw across the internet. It's been an, a day since the episode has aired, and we received an again an incredible amount of feedback. It has been uh, a fabulous few days in the community. This is the first one where I feel like a lot of so many people were on an even playing field. We all entered it with our popcorn in our sides and or whichever snack you chose to have beside you, and it just happened and it flowed and it felt unlike for me any episode of Game of Thrones that we've ever gotten before. And seeing people who wouldn't resign to Stannis's likability slowly have their icy armor chipped away, much like <laughs> Brienne warms up to Podrick on a cool autumn creeping into winter's day. It felt nice. I'm liking how this fifth season is turning out. I, I agree. I, I think that it was the first glimpse into a part of the season that none of us have seen prior in the sense that, you know, I'm talking about in the global sense, right? Because these episodes had been leaked, as mentioned earlier. Brian Cogman, to your point, Zach, did an amazing job crafting this episode. I think for the first time in a long time, uh, we were able to see all three dragons, which I, mm. we'd have to go back into our uh, research uh, database to find out the last time that's happened. <laughs> and just Can we the, get to do uh, wiki wizards on top of this. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to find out from Brian what the budget for this episode was because uh, they had some really intense dragon scenes there, um, mm -hmm. chowing down on um, some masters. masters, yeah, one master in particular. <laughs> well, uh, he was split into two. So one unlucky. He was master. a shared snack. It's like mm, me and Zach yeah. sharing popcorn. It was an equal um, portion, though, an equal portion <laughs> shared. I thought it was it was fair for them to be so. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like the dragons. Not only Jon Snow, but the dragons are slowly killing the boy. You see Drogon, majestic, floating in the sky. Yeah. It was like a mountain yeah. from World of Warcraft. It was beautiful. It was a very manly fly. It was funny. Uh, somebody tweeted in that, uh, or, or actually maybe it was on Facebook, I can't remember, that uh, he was on a beer run, Drogon. <laughs> <laughs> Just heading down to Old Valyria for yeah. the old wares. I, I love the idea that uh, that he hangs out there, that, that it's some sort of um, ancient calling ground. Valeria, like that's, that's just kind of where he's Valeria. Yes, this ancient city. Of course, we'll we'll talk all about that uh, later. But but, but with the um, with the dragons and the scenes, talking about the budget of this episode, I wanted to mention even that brief underwater sequence at the end. I mean, water uh, is from what I understand, extremely expensive uh, to Especially shoot. in California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but not I'm talking about bottled water. <laughs> Zach's here all week, everybody. Shooting in water, working with water, um, just how they shot that whole sequence that was underwater with uh, a certain lovable imp submerged and a certain unsavory, uh, maybe not so much human anymore character pulling him under and, and, and really just all of it is is a level above a step above this show continues this season to be new and exciting and they're doing things that they haven't done before and that's that's really why we watch i think this kill me i'm we we haven't got to talk about this yet uh we've 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 all we've seen the episode a couple times now and this is different from our usual recordings but the it, it feels exactly the same i feel like it's sunday night and it, yeah. it's it's only just happened and i i find it difficult to rein in the level of emotion 
that is inside of me when I think about how long we've all been on this journey together, listeners included, and that stone men jumped from the side of a small cliff as Drogon <laughs> flew above Tyrion Lannister. Lannister, can we just for a it's moment? It's the perfect distraction. I mean, <laughs> you'd think you'd think that they asked him to yeah. do that. That's about what it takes to take your take your mind off of the 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 danger that could be in a place where the doom still resides. Yeah. What is the doom, by the way? I thought from the uh, context clues, it sounded like the volcano. But it also sounds like this tremendous force of evil, and they're talking about fire demons, and so now I'm not so sure. It's just generally the the state, the condition of Valyria itself. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's been brought to ruin, uh, and so I know we're going to talk more about that probably a little bit later on in the week. But it's just always seems to be Brian Cogman that's entrusted with this material, and looking at the different parts of this episode and the story that he is entrusted to work with Mm. beyond what George has written. So looking at scenes at Winterfell in particular and trying to figure out exactly how this story is going to develop with all these different characters that we know. Some are there, some are just outside the walls, some are making their way there uh, from the wall. This season really struck me. I was just thinking about this uh, on my second watching um, of it feeling a little bit like season two in that it's loaded with excellent character moments and it's, it seems to be building up to a big battle involving Stannis. Uh, I don't know if that's, if you guys feel the same. I mean, there's plenty else, you know, happening, of course, with Daenerys, especially. Well, and, he's certainly begun marching. Yeah, but it just, for me, it feels like it's all character. It's just all character. And I also have the same uncertainty you know, sort of going into this season that I did in season two in particular, because I think with season three, we saw it as, oh, it's a falling action, but wait, oh, this is happening. And it was very, season four was very, you know, fast paced and kind of even another falling action. Now they're, they're forging new ground in this season. And it feels to me, I don't know, it just felt very similar to like a season two episode with, uh, say, um, Tywin or somebody uh, who we don't know anything about, but there's just scenes you know, of him reacting to the events of what's going on. And we got to see the Boltons really tie it in and and kind of uh, battle down, batten down the hatches and try and, you know, kind of prepare uh, for what's coming. But it it just, it's all building up to a clear, a battle at Winterfell, at our home, at our ancestral home. (laughs) Our home. We feel we grew up. (laughs) Yeah, with all these strange people. And it it feels, it feels odd, but it's nice that Sansa's there. We're getting these character moments built around the new graduating class of Game of Thrones. It's not Ned Stark. It's not Robert Baratheon. It's not Mark Addy. It's not Sean Bean. It's Sophie Turner as Sansa Stark. Yeah. It's Ewan Rian as Ramsay Bolton. Mm-hmm. Roose Bolton is still there, playing a supporting role as usual, quietly, quizzically watching his son speak and make <laughs> decisions and embarrass himself at family dinner. Arya is in Bravos. We haven't seen her in a bit. That's kind of sad. Yeah, what the hell? Where's she been? Two episodes. I have a feeling that we'll see her next week based on the preview. Ah, I haven't there's... seen the preview yet. Oh, yeah. There's a certain door that she is going to walk through, I think, and there won't be any turning back from it. Oh, That's damn. just a guess. That's a guess. But yeah, the preview is really cool. You got to see it. You know, I was uh, having a, a, a minor 
uh, discussion with uh, Andrew today at work because we work together, and he made a suggestion that I think is is actually quite cool. We'll see if it comes true. Sort of a prediction. Brian Cogman also has next week's episode, and this theory that Andrew proposed, which I really liked and I would love to see it happen, is that they may have split or that Brian may have divided the scenes or the characters in each episode up in half, much like books four and five are divided by character. And sort of how the first two episodes in this season were also right. They seem to kind of be balancing Mm -hmm. in a more general, like side to side way. Um, Now Dorn, I think at this point has been just plain irregular, but everything else um, has sort of had a certain balance to it. A sort of like a feeling like you're on a ship you're rocking a little to the left and you'll mm, see the north. Like you're rocking a little to the right. You'll see King's Landing. And so the theory is, the feeling is that perhaps next week we'll see, I mean, there was a lot of the north in this episode. Perhaps there won't be in the next one. Perhaps we'll focus on, uh, you know, the Essos part that Arya's in and then King's Landing, possibly Dorne, you know, in sort of instead of. And so this episode was those plot lines being advanced and then next episode might be the other plot lines being advanced. Just a theory, but I liked it because I like to think that we're going to spend as much time developing the other storylines after seeing what a great uh, result this episode had in terms of making me feel, you know, great things about, you know, each of these storylines. They were thickened so much. They were. They were thick, yeah. Mike, you mentioned the establishment of Podrick and Brienne just outside of Winterfell in conjunction with all the character building and all all the plot greasing slowly forward to the exit from Castle Black heading south on the way to King's Landing and just that simple approach them already being there Podrick and Brienne already being outside of Winterfell has kept them in pace with Sansa moving northward. I feel like we're only days separated. Sansa's getting her first feet out. The North Remembers mm-hmm. Lady is giving her a tip off to light a candle. That's what we're going to call her. The North Remembers Lady. <laughs> uh, yeah. If anything goes wrong, and uh, that's very ominous. I'm sure that we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, it's not candy right now. It's not trivial. It's not light. It's, we're not we're not watching a show that's that's going through bullet points in a book to make sure that we're establishing this happened. We want to make sure that we fit this in. I saw complaints on the internet about how much time was spent with the Boltons in Winterfell. And I, I, I certainly felt a little, I mean, it was different because that's not usually what happens. We're used, we're used to balancing so many people. We're used to nuggets. I'd be interested to know why they felt that way, because in my mind, you really do have to establish these characters and tell a story because you can't just have in one episode them talking about Stannis laying siege to Winterfell and the next episode it happens without providing any context to who these characters are because we're assuming that it's going to be a battle and we're assuming that people Mm -hmm. are going to die and I think that that's the groundwork that's being laid with Brienne and Pod traveling north Sansa being in Winterfell the Boltons being there, learning about who they are. Miranda and Ramsey, their their relationship too, yeah. Yeah, you need to really provide context to who these people are before you just off them. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I would think <laughs> that not all the people who are going to be in the North, in Winterfell, are going to survive by the end of the season. It's just not the way of Game of Thrones and not the way mm. of George R. R. Martin. So 
I would think that people would have actually enjoyed a, sort of a slower paced show yeah. where you're actually getting insight into these characters, learning about Ramsey's backstory, learning more about Roose Bolton, uh, seeing the relationship to Zach's point between Ramsey and Miranda, yeah. getting an idea of what Miranda is really up to here and yeah. knowing that she could be the bigger, biggest threat to Sansa moving forward, not Ramsey, uh, because Ramsey is going to act in the best way possible to please his father, uh, especially after he made an ass of himself at the dinner table. Right. Theon slash Reek was amazing in this episode. He's amazing yeah, in every episode yeah. just yeah. because yeah. Of, of the way that he, um, you, you know, his character comes across. But there were just so many moments in, in this particular episode for me uh, as it relates to the Winterfell storyline you know the, the mentions of uh, of of Ned and Catelyn by Brienne, and then with Sansa yeah, walking up to her. the tower that Bran fell off of, and looking up exactly how Catelyn looked up in season one, mm-hmm. and remembering and and you know discovering Theon slash Reek, and just that the whole dinner conversation that took place, it was it just uh, it was a throwback to the Starks, and I'm wanting you to like learn. it. Listen to you. <laughs> what is going to happen here? You're right? smiling. What, I can hear who you are these people that are, yeah. you know, helping Brienne and Podrick, relaying messages to Sansa. If she's lighting that candle, who is she lighting it for? Is it Brienne? Is it that's what I was wondering? The yeah. Umbers? Is it the Reeds? Like who is out there that is going to come and help her? I was hoping Benjen creeped down to Winterfell and he's just in in hiding. <laughs> I was like, what if it's another Stark? That would be amazing. These were my my thoughts though. I, I, while watching, it just it felt so mature. It felt we weren't we didn't have an agenda. We were allowed to comfortably spend time with so many of these characters and mm-hmm. really feel the flow and feel the conversations to see the emotions. So much of what Alfie Allen has done with Reek's character, he's acted with his emotions and his face, partially no dialogue. So much of his character is given to us through his eyes directly into the camera, through his shutter directly through the camera. And when he does speak, we get that slight stutter. We get that inferior, shaky tone and we were able to have so much of that we were able to see him lie in the kennel and that so much i'm I'm having trouble speaking about it because i'm having all of these flashes of scenes from the moment he was tied up to where he is now and the place that he grew up as a squire sort of as a prisoner Mm -hmm. waking in a kennel to see sansa stark saying you shouldn't be here yeah, Micah, you were mentioning standing outside of the tower and looking up like like Catelyn did. We're in the fifth season, and so much has happened that has separated us from the time. Not only years in our real lives, but even if you're going back and rewatching the show, and, and if unless people are marathoning these within days of one another, you know, these are practically ten hour seasons separated between one and one and five, and you've got a good handful of those. We have a legacy that is being built in front of our very eyes, and and it's great to see that years later the dedication to connecting back to those original things is still there because it would have been a different beast than it has, but it, uh, the show has stuck so true to the, to its roots and mm-hmm. has done nothing but improve and give us even more presence. This was a very mature episode. I loved it. The acting at this point too is so 
good the character's so developed that you have emotions you don't even want to be having. There's fear there. There's I was hanging on every single word Ramsey uttered in this episode, and some of it was nonsensical. Some of it made him an asshole. But I, you know, really, I I felt fear for Theon or Reek. Um, you know, when he asked him to get on his knees, I didn't know what the hell he was going to make him do. Uh, it's, it's terrifying to watch along and to still care for a character who many have written off or who Sansa really could be detrimental to his health as well. Uh, you know, and, and it just, he doesn't have a single friend, uh, there and he's not in a good position, but just watching sort of uh, as as Ramsay paraded that creature around, as Ruth said, mm-hmm. just the reactions, the looks on his face, as you said, um, were spectacular and nothing short of deeply moving. Absolutely. And Sansa is somebody that we should all be worried about as well. You forget that at times she's surrounded by people who have murdered her family. Ruth killed Rob and... Catelyn, not directly, but was responsible for her death. Mm-hmm. And then you have Theon, who is responsible for the death of Bran and Rickon, as far as she knows. Right. And that's four very close members of her family. And then you have Ramsay, <laughs> who is deranged. And I just, I don't think he knows any better. He wasn't raised the right way. And one thing that I really was hoping was going to happen in this episode and it didn't but the door is left open for it to happen in the future and what the implications of it would mean would finally provide Sansa with some glimmer of hope and that is Theon slash Reek telling her that Bran and Rickon are alive right I hoped that he would defy Ramsay in that moment I I shouldn't have thought that it could happen but there was there was a hope inside of me and I think that that may have been you know that may have been a mechanic of the writing and and the the timing between looks and the pacing and the excellent job with direction on this episode the silent looks from Roos the fact that he really I don't want to say that he didn't have the courage or gall or audacity to speak at length in front of Sansa but he really didn't and what that does is give us more anticipation because we'd love to see a conversation between the man who did that to mm-hmm. her older brother and to her mother but we're not really we're we're not even getting that payoff, and they were they were sitting in the same room, so that's a nice little treat. Roos is very controlled. Sansa was extremely controlled during that entire scene. I mean, it 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 was shocking how stone faced she was about the whole experience, mm-hmm. the entire from first seeing him onward. Um, she basically very coldly, very calmly asks Reek, or sorry, asks Ramsay, "Why are you doing this?" Uh, you know, she she knows that she's being tortured, and it's it's something she's extremely familiar with. But it it she holds her tongue. She stays there and bears it. And don't you know, there's a reward because Roos kind of makes up for mm-hmm. uh, Ramsey's bullshit by announcing uh, is his his kid. So I I think that um that scene though was very odd for me at first watching because I thought this is odd for Ramsey to be showing his cards. Um, Ramsey very clearly cannot, you know, contain his enthusiasm for torturing people. And there you go. It's right there for everyone to see in this scene. And I thought that was, well, it's very unwise of him to show his colors so 
so blatantly. But was it intentional? I don't think so. I, it was all because of Miranda, and she is the one who put Reek at the forefront of this entire situation. Who knows if that would have ever been revealed to Sansa. Eventually, at some point, we could imagine that she would have come across Reek, but the reason why he's now doing that is because she forced he's now his hand. known entity yeah. is because she forced the whole situation. So she yeah. is somebody that we have to watch out for because she's stirring the pot a little bit up there. Ramsey knows that she knows and being the kind of person that he is, he, he just can't, he just can't let it go. This, this had to happen. I mean, it was, it was, it was not smart. It wasn't, it was not an intelligent thing to do. I don't know. It just kind of painfully played out for all of us. Making him apologize, <sighs> serving the wine. Bruce just watching, like, are you seriously doing yeah. this? Yeah, you know the interesting thing about his apology, though, too. Um, he doesn't say their names, and I know that that might have pushed someone over the edge if he said, "I'm sorry for killing Bran and Rickon." You know, to say their names because it's it's disrespectful for the killer to say the names of who. He, you know what I'm saying? Like Theon seemed to shy away with it or from it, but sort of in addition to when he says, "I'm sorry for killing your brothers." I thought you might, to some degree, be able to count Rob uh, as one of the brothers that he is responsible for the death of because he abandoned Rob and Rob's cause in order to go forge his own path with the Ironborn. Like, he was supposed to rally his father to Rob's cause, from what I recall. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he abandoned Rob and, and caused Rob great distress in the months leading up to the Red Wedding, um, you know, basically, he is also, to some degree, responsible for Rob's actual death. Uh, as well as Brandon Rickens, who he thinks. But at this point, too, if he were to ever apologize to Sansa, I don't think he can say with any certainty that Brandon Ricken are still alive today. He can tell her he didn't kill him, but uh, Roos himself sent men or one man lock after the kids, and their fate is uncertain. I, I know of at least one of them who won't be in this season. Um <laughs> You know, and it's just like, I am still holding out for, for, I hear your laugh, Zach, but I'm still holding out for a Rickon scene. I saw Rickon in the previews and I was like, is, is Eric getting his wish? I was thinking, (laughs) seriously, did this happen? I fucking hope so, dude. You didn't see Rickon when he popped out, um. From Underneath behind the, the stone men, the stone men, yeah, in the in the hood that protects him from from all the invisibility cloaks. It's enchanted. Then it's, he just yeah. popped back down underneath the rock, and who knows where he's going to turn up. Terry again. got her wish. The smoldering rubble. Didn't didn't Terry say the smoldering rubble? I'm having a serious problem thinking about old Valeria right now and not getting distracted and wanting to talk about it. I know, I know, it's insane. There were stone men. It's they had so grayscale cool. all over. There's yeah. not a salve for this. Not that they nope. know of. Where's you know, Stannis Baratheon when you need him? You know, we've heard about Grayscale. It's gotten passing mentions in each episode under, you know, from across the world. Everybody's talking about the Stone Men. And it turns out this is who they are. They inhabit, you know, Valyria, but they are afflicted in such a way. And really, I don't want to talk about the, the end of the episode for for too long, but uh, there, there may be hope because we saw how uh, Shireen Baratheon uh, is not dead. And uh, I can only hope that uh, Savior Jorah Mormont, <laughs> Tyrion's <laughs> unlikely savior, uh, can, you know, perhaps not have to die one day. I-, I thought it was a great effect at the end of the episode to make you think, a la The Sopranos, that the episode was over. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with The <laughs> Sopranos, the episode and the series is over, but you were left wondering 
is this how episode five of season five, the halfway point, is going to end after what they did to us last week when they left us wondering if Barristan and Grey Worm were really alive and now they're going to do the same thing with Tyrion? (laughs) It almost... It cheapens uh, how I feel for Jorah now because it's like a moments before I was like, oh my God, is Tyrion dead? Now I'm like, oh, okay, Jorah just has grayscale. We've heard that that's Lifeguard terrible. Jorah. Yeah, it's fine. He's on he next has... season of Baywatch. <laughs> Give him mouth to mouth. Yeah, I wonder how that worked. But uh, let me tell you, in the book, you're, the chapter ends with him going underwater. So you're wondering if he's going to make it for quite oh, a while. It's yeah. that... It's old you know, Arya axe to the back George, of the head. Technique. Yeah, exactly. George is very, very good at, at creating those chapters. So uh, it was uh, it was a scary moment because there he was on the boat, and then he's under the water, and you don't know with these stone men pulling him down if he's actually going to survive. We have well structured plans to dive into the end no of this intended. episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna dive. I don't think he dove in. We're gonna belly flop in <laughs> to fall to fall into the end of this episode <laughs> on our follow up episode this week with 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 lots and lots yeah. of 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 study and preparation. We're we're very very excited about all the things here. We know that so many of you at home are, but it's hard not to not to go into it. It's hard not to spend three or four hours talking about things that have happened in this episode. Really. Uh, like I said, I, I was a bit taken aback by some of the negative things I saw on the internet. People, people being disappointed with how much time was spent at different places. But I urge, if anyone is feeling that or felt that and hasn't watched the episode again, watch it again and appreciate that this is a process. And we're mid-season five, and so much is yet to happen. Two seasons remain that we know of. There could be more. There I mean, who knows? The the future is so uncertain. But right now, there's we another have, wedding that has yet to happen. <laughs> we have five episodes left, and this was a this was a, a journey. This was a slow sail through the middle of the fifth season, and it just felt right. Mm. It felt it felt right. It Seeing felt Stannis right. sit comfortably at Castle Black, talking to Sam while Tar. How did it feel when Stannis walked into a room and spoke to Sam in the way that he did? He said, "You're no soldier." But, or you don't look like a soldier, but that wasn't necessarily, I mean, it wasn't a a, a non-compliment. It was, you have value or you're providing value for, that's going to save all of our lives by reading. Keep reading, Samuel Tarley. Keep reading. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really, again, to what you're, what you were saying earlier about Stannis being, becoming endearing or, or lovable. Uh, in this season, I mean, can Brienne just not kill uh Celise instead? Is, can that is, would that be a nice compromise? Because Celise is a total we're, bitch. We're really uh, are, are we in agreement here that that Brienne is going to kill Stannis? I, I mean, I mean, I, I do guess we, I do we agree? This, uh, do we? Yes, I feel like she's gonna fuck shit up. We were in agreement that that Grayscale would get um <laughs> the kind of attention that it did. Uh, I just feel. It's hard to say, you know, with screen time being so being so valuable on this program, it's just after. I mean, it's that's, all conjecture, that's her, right? That's her plan. That's her plan. That's what that's she her wants plan. To do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not our plan, but a lot of people know, have plans, and I hope that her plan fails. Simply put, yeah, we know all these characters are going to meet at some point in the not too distant future, or at least they're all going to be in the same general geographic region, and we don't know what the end result of that's going to be. 
We can only speculate, and that's, that's using context clues. Stannis Baratheon warming up this much when it's so cold in the north. <laughs> Dodgy, especially when he could have been so warm in the hearth of Dragonstone, and he wasn't. So it, it's just, uh, I agree. They're they're doing a lot to develop his character and to show some different sides to him that maybe none of us really knew exist in reading the character that George has written uh, into the book. But I really enjoyed the scene between him and, and Sam, not just because he told him to keep reading, <laughs> but even going back a little bit uh, before that, when Sam is in the library uh, with Gilly and he's talking about the Citadel in mm-hmm. Old Town yeah. and it, that being the place where they train all the maesters. Mm-hmm. And even earlier in this episode, we got some clues from Maester Eamon himself that he is uh, on his way out, basically. Uh, He's old, and we don't know how much longer Maester Eamon is going to be around, and this idea... Hey, that's his plan. We don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Maybe he'll take... We're all in agreement that, no. uh, (laughs) It seems like Sam could be potentially setting himself up to become a Maester. He even says so himself that that that's something that he wanted to do. Uh, growing up, so I missed that that's cool. Uh, is this the direction that that Sam is going to go in from a character uh, standpoint? And and are the books that are at the wall enough to learn about what is coming in winter? You know what it's got to be is Cersei's got to exile Meister Pycelle, uh <laughs> to the wall, and Pycelle's got to have a redemption arc where he teaches Sam how to do it. That's and, and Pycelle goes there and he's like, "Is this every book that you have?" <laughs> and then Sam thinks back to when Gilly asked if that's every book that there was. Uh, mm-hmm. I know what Obsidian is. Also, it was interesting how Stannis talked about how. Uh, there was a lot of that on Dragonstone. Yeah, he's like, I know what it is. Like, I got Obsidian. some of those. This scene was, it did so much. Not only, I mean, no, it's easy for us to harp about the one true king stands Baratheon, version of his name, because he, because it is what it is. I mean, I think that's that's fair to say. But when he walks in and he he starts the scene, this is again following Gilly and Sam's excellent moments together. He mentions his father, Randall Tarley, which is a sore subject. And he had just been mentioned uh, in a conversation in that conversation with Gilly about he wasn't really a reader. And we know about what Randall did to Sam. Refer back to the first season. Mm -hmm. Robert's battle against Randall Tarley at Ashford was the only one that he had ever lost. He never listened. He went west too soon. His father's a fine soldier. Sam doesn't look like a soldier, etc. But then he gets down to the reason why he's here. And he says, but I told you kill the White Walker. And this is, you know, this the Stannis that we were speaking about last season, heading to the north, answering the call of the men at Castle Black, wanting to know more about this impending threat rather than only his claim on the Iron Throne. He's educating himself, a bit like Davos learning to read. He was expecting, I think, when Stannis walked in, he walked, did you notice how he walked to the way other side of the room? He was looking for someone else. I mean, he was looking for Sam, but he didn't know that this was Sam. I don't know. When you get a name like Sam the Slayer, it kind of precedes you. <laughs> a he, bit. he was looking. He was looking for a warrior. He was looking for Randall Tarley's son, and he found him. And he still found just this innate respect for him. He did. They just made this eye contact, man. Just, it's all about the eye. Contact. Easy, easy. <laughs> but uh, these are all really great points. And you, uh, the reason why I was waxing poetic a little bit about Brian Cogman earlier on was because 
you know that everything that's included in this episode is included for a reason. There's no scene, there's no line, there's no interaction that happens, especially at the midway point of season five when, Zach, you mentioned earlier, we, we know we at least have two more seasons. Nothing is in here that's just kind of fluff. And you know, that's why I was interested as to why people felt the way they did about how it seemed as if they were wasting time, quote unquote, building up certain characters or spending time in certain geographic areas like Winterfell, but know that these scenes are here for a reason. So whether it's to set up something that happens in the future uh, or to provide us a little bit of insight into these characters and, and, and what's to happen to them, it's all important. And I think that that's why he was entrusted with this material. Like the books, the television show is clearly, clearly playing the long game. And I think mm -hmm. you could reference the things we've spoken about so far in this episode. I'm sure all of you listening are deep enough into the lore to understand and to be able to apply that. We're going to be able to look back on this in one day and see it as all one congruent piece. Mm -hmm. And it's making its way there. And and that's one of the reasons we're able to, to, to guess so much and, and to think forward so much based on what we're getting from the episodes. Not only have we all spent a certain amount of time diving into these subjects together, but we've all had a good amount of time with the story and with these, with these characters. And it's, it's comforting to know things like the children of the forest hunting with dragon glass can be brought up to the one true King from Sam, the Slayer who killed a white Walker. Yeah. And Stannis has sort of access to dragon glass. <laughs> he knows where to get it. If he should ever need to equip an army with it, say it's, it, it gives me, a lot of hope for the accomplishments of the men of the realm. Winter is coming. Yes. Lord Commander Snow has mentioned he said it those words quite a few times. <laughs> Sam says to the king, death marches on the wall. They finish each other's sentence. Do you remember when they come? We have to know how to fight them. Yeah. When Stannis was speaking with Davos, when he was making the decision to leave, there was a small amount of snow coming in through the window. He says it's time. Yeah, I can't wait for Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if he'll come back? Yep. And at that point, I thought he had already left, but then he was there. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and he was there. Yeah. To see Stannis off. And there's just so much that's happening at the wall right now. And, and Jon is faced with a massive decision to trust the wildlings and, and to really rally them to the overall cause. It's not his cause. It's not the Night's Watch cause. It's really the cause of all of them if they want to be able to survive what's coming. And there was a great conversation first between him and Maester Eamon and then him and Tormund. And you're really trying, you're, you're really starting to get a sense of who John as Lord Commander is mm -hmm. and, and what kind of legacy he's going to leave for himself whenever that time may be. You know, when everybody looks back, we talk about this a lot uh, on this show is like when you look back a hundred years from now, what would you say about you know Jon Snow, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and oh, will, so cool. will it have been <laughs> a success? Right? Will he have been successfully able to you know, get these wildlings at hard home safe and and really down to the gift where Sam suggests that they go and live for the time being? And will he be able to bring those that are able to fight? and rally them to the cause 
of of defending of humanity. Let's be honest from the White Walkers. Yeah, it's really going to be his defining moment here. He's not in an easy situation. It's not like he's becoming Lord Commander where you know it's the middle of summer and everything's (laughs) nice and there's flowers outside. Right. Plenty of you know, lamb. There's animals nibbling at the foot of the wall. <laughs> we got plenty you of know, goat yeah. cheese. Mm. Yeah. Lots of rabbits. Um, These are hard decisions. 8,000 years. <laughs> they've had this policy. Jon Snow becomes Lord Commander, and this is what's happening. I know that there are circumstances that are pushing this to happen, but it's the world that's pushing this progress forward, and we're seeing this history evolve in front of our very eyes. And we, we all know from history ourselves that times of strife times of trouble are what breeds progress whether it's technology whether it's in cultural progress it happens and this is what's happening right now john sees the bigger picture he's not a close-minded member man of the night's watch the way that we've seen other men uh come to be viewed he knows what must be done he says to ollie whose entire family was murdered and 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 they neglected to mention eaton by the way uh, yeah, by true. by Thens, by the men who yeah. are from north of the wall, eaten, not just savaged, eaten. Uh, as long as the Then was true to his word, he says to him, "Winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone." That's a yeah. hard truth. Mm-hmm. He is selling a hard truth. It's a bit like Amon's prediction: you will not enjoy your rule. Uh, but if you're, you know, with, with luck, you'll you'll have the courage to do what needs to be done. <laughs> I literally, not to interrupt you, dude. I literally wrote hard truth. I'm gonna paste it. I literally <laughs> took the same note as you. It that is, is a comforting. Hard truth, right there. Look at that. There you go. It's <laughs> seriously, and I mean, Amon's prediction. Amon has, of course, probably lived through several Lord Commanders. I mean, I don't know how long Old Bear was doing it, but he knows enough about ruling. Let's just say. Uh, it could be his family ties, could be his proximity to the previous Lord Commanders. He knows that John is not going to have fun. And it's not a job where you have fun. It's a job where you protect the fucking realm. And that that's just what John is trying to do. Eamon doesn't need to know what John's plan is. Eamon knows that he's in charge. I, don't we know it? Do it. He says, no, I don't need to know. Sound such advice. a great family conversation between the two of them and uh, you just never get to see two Targaryens in the same room. A Targaryen yeah. alone in the world is a terrible... Oh, hey, John. There's John. How's it going? Let me touch your face. alone in the world is a terrible thing. Something like that. So, Eric, I must ask you, though, this conversation between Eamon and John, mm-hmm. uh, you were very, very worried uh, going into this episode. Oh, and mentioned many times about the title of the episode, which is Kill the Boy. And, of course, Maester Eamon has the line, kill the boy and let the man be born. And now I I know that you know that a lot of these titles are not meant to be taken literally. They they can have double meanings. They can be Mm -hmm. figurative. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are very worried for Tommen's safety. Tommen was not in this episode at all. So we don't even know. Are are you at ease, at least for the time being? Uh, For the time being, yes. Uh, And I got some uh, feedback on Twitter as well. particularly from Wenda the White Fawn, who wrote me, uh, are you feeling better now that Tommen and all other non-figurative boys survived <laughs> episode five? That's good. Hashtag Game of Thrones is never too obvious, or never so obvious, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, yes, I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm not, that I didn't still for a second not feel guilty about thinking that he was in danger. 
Yeah. Um, everybody is in danger on these shows. We know that. So, yes, I'm glad that everybody. the title of the episode didn't give away Even uh, Ollie. an event that Even happened. Ollie. But, you know, there are, uh, at times, those moments where we find, as fans of a show, extra reasons to be a little bit more excitable. And uh, the title of this episode, as soon as I heard it, that was what sprung to mind, and that's how I reacted. So, yes, I feel relieved, but I don't feel silly about it. And you can't make me feel silly about my fears. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, simply glad and relieved that... Uh, I'm glad that you're relieved and uh, Tommen is safe for at least one more episode. Like a hundred-year-old man, guys, I'm slowly freezing to death. <laughs> Are you all right? <laughs> slowly freezing to death. In California? <laughs> In addition to the, the great conversation that John had with Maester Eamon and the Targaryen bonding that went on, at least in theory. I don't know. Uh, They're never that obvious. <laughs> John and uh, Tormund had a great conversation, and John is putting himself, number one, in immediate risk by calling Tormund a coward and then <laughs> freeing his hands. Yeah. And then I also think he's putting himself at risk by being willing to go with Tormund to Hardhome and to surround himself with all of these wildlings. And I don't know how many members of the Night's Watch are going to go with him. He suggested nine, but who knows how that'll end up. That is not as many as there are wildlings <laughs> and not even close. This is a risky position for the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, especially knowing the tenuous relationship that exists between the Night's Watch and the Wildlings. And they talk about these ships that they're going to borrow from Stannis, but if shit happens to go a little <laughs> crazy, John's going to be the one responsible, and, and I wouldn't want to be in that situation. With any great shift in policy, sacrifices have to be made. And I don't know if there would be any other way. John has spent so much time with him already right. through our time with the books and through our time with the show, which was He's much more with shallow. A wildling woman. He's laying with the Wildling Woman. Uh, they had a great time together, and he's now Lord Commander, and he's now offering them what they wanted, which, which is passage. And rather than give them a just-in-case, he's literally going to get them. It's not as if there's a, a conflict that needs to happen. You know, they're on, they're on a quest to pick people up in boats. They're probably going to have food. There's going to be drama, I'm sure, and I'm sure it's going to—I mean, I think we saw just in the— uh, the opening day in the life. Yeah, the day in the life, just the opening footage before um Yeah, pretty sure they were like brandishing a sword or something when they arrived. And you're you're under the assumption too that all these wildlings are just gonna agree. Well no, 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 no. I don't think any yeah, of definitely us assume not. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think what it is is there's this hope that Tormund can be the leader that Mance was, that things the free folk will be will actually surrender a, a deal of their freedom they they did it for mance because he united them under a a common goal john fortunately shares mance's views almost to the letter uh except he won't put his own personal pride in front of safety of tens of thousands of you know allies basically the way mance did but john and tormund going off to this thing i mean john didn't have a choice Tormund had that quote, they need to know the ships they're boarding won't be torched in the middle of the sea. Like, that's fucking right. But at the same time, they're on these ships, and each one of the free folk are self-proclaimed free. And if a single faction, like, say, for instance, those curmudgeonly thens, uh, are a little bit more hungry and don't want to agree, they're perfectly allowed, they're perfectly free 
to cause strife and burn those boats themselves. I mean, this is a, a dangerous situation because John really doesn't uh it's not like in Westeros where your your liege lord commands some sort of uh fealty or, or loyalty. Nobody bowed and Tormund told John nobody will uh bow or <laughs> kneel to him. And and so this is this is terrifying because you know, seriously, if any small percentage of the people that are north of the wall are hanging out at Hardhome uh, don't agree, then immediately you have a war. And that's sort of the problem with dealing with these, like a bar fight. these types of people. Fortunately, pretty much the only armor I think John really truly has is the fact that this army of the dead is coming for them. And that's the same thing that Mance used to get them to even march with him because as we learned before, factions don't even like each other all that much. Yeah. I mean, but they're being asked to live together and it's all because of this threat of the dead. And if they can't get it south of the wall, they're going to become that army themselves. This is dangerous. This is very dangerous. And that's why the, the, the meeting of the men at Castle Black went this way. I know that some of the complaints were shallow and we, we think of freedom and we think of, inclusion we think of not segregating people but it's easy to forget the kinds of people that inhabit this large body of people trying to make their way south i'm going to be a little bit more done with the word people because it's hard it's hard to give them i don't I know they don't like to be called wildlings so <laughs> trying to be a little bit more pc the free folk the free, free folk. folk there we go but at the end of the day there are so many variables involved with this decision and we can only hope that like you said, Eric, the threat of what is coming will allow them to see reason and to not kick up dust for dust's kicking sake. Because the Lord Commander is going out on a limb here and he's organizing this travel and he's letting everyone through and giving them <laughs> land and hopefully some shelter from the onslaught. The snow that's falling steadily as winter comes. I, I almost can't handle this implication of what we're about to see the setup for the season after this that I'm already getting excited for and for that damn next book. Yeah. It's uh it's a lot to take in. And I, and I think that is really important that we spend a lot of time in the different places that we were in this episode to help really develop the story and, and to think through all the implications of what's going on with these characters in their respective areas. And uh, you know, we got, even at the wall of all places, a mention of Daenerys from Sam, who's reading a small piece of parchment Huge to Aemon to give him news about, I guess, would be his great-great-grandniece. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> or They're related. Something to that effect, yeah. <laughs> They're related. They're related, yeah. Thanks. Uh, cousins. That, that, that makes it... Uh, Beautiful cousin. Much easier to digest, but... <laughs> You, you can tell that there's this longing in Eamon's voice when, when he's talking about her. And, you know, he talks about her. He's, oh, she must be this this great woman, this great ruler of sorts. and She is. She, she is. is. And she showed it in this episode. Well, whoever, for sure. whoever, whoever wrote that letter, first of all, also thinks so. Can you, can, can we? I thought I it mean, might have been Barristan or somebody that was a part of her council. Wouldn't oh, it be weird if Barristan was also spying on her for the West? Like, <laughs> I don't think there was a letter Mr. about Amen. spying, though. I, I think it was probably, you know, to begin the political campaign of her coming back West. That's true. That perhaps does need to. That happen. letter possibly went to more than one person. That letter might have went to 
many, many people across Westeros. That's a good idea. Like, I like that idea because it was very favorable for Daenerys. It was talking about how she was determined to secure the freedom of the people of Marine. And that's true. It's not biased. It's not terrible to say that she is dedicated to that specific cause. And she talked uh, in this chapter about people think I should abandon my children uh, but that's not what a mother does. And of course, you know, at the time we think she's talking about her dragons, but I think it also means like all of her constituents, all of these people that are here for her, she doesn't abandon them. Uh, Dario wants to sort of, you know, go back to the pyramid district and secure them and basically root out everybody else, kill people street by street. But Danny won't do it. She finds another way. And I, I yeah, I think in general, just uh, going back to, Meister Eamon, I mean, I, I, I really badly want to see those two characters, but that they'll never, ever meet. I didn't think that John and Stannis would ever meet, and look what we have here. That's true. We have them saying bye to each other respectfully. You know, maybe if good. she can just she can just fly to the wall. Something. She could. Big I mean, enough. she has the means. In a, like in a couple days, she could make it he, while he's still alive. You know, I, 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 he just needs to introduce himself. So he just needs to send her a letter and be like, I'm watching you, girl. You got this. <laughs> And, like, seriously, how cool is it that he's he is, like, the last Targaryen? He's the Targaryen of the other dynasty, like, of when they ruled last time. Yeah, he's, he's the only person. He, he can provide un- completely unique insight into what her destiny may be, although Barristan did a heck of a job trying to remind her of her past. And uh, let's start out talking about Daenerys again, that, that scene with the, the dragons, but um, she watches a man be burned alive. And that, to me, was extremely reminiscent of the stories that we've heard of the throne room Mm -hmm. uh, and what the Mad King did. Basically, he watched people be torched alive. And this is something that do do we think that Barristan would have wanted Danny to witness this sort of a thing? I mean, this is kind of I I think that actually she was going against what Barristan would have wished in that moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And and I think Masande even counsels her on that a little Mm -hmm. bit later on in the episode. And that causes her her change of heart. Maybe not deep down is she doing what she truly believes, but part of her believes that this is probably the way that Barristan would have wanted her to act uh, when she does go and talk to his Darzo Lorak and makes the most awkward marriage proposal I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But to go back to what happens at the beginning of this episode, I, I think it's just instant reaction, right? It's, it's how she's feeling. And, and she had a lot of the same sentiment. I think that we did, even though Barristan went down fighting, he was still killed in a back alley of Marine by a bunch of people who are hiding behind masks. Right. And that, that just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And she responds to that by, taking the the heads of of the masters of of these Miranese families and showing them instilling fear in them and saying look you fuck with me mm-hmm. and this is what's going to happen to you sorry and you woke the dragon yeah. this is what happens yeah i have i have two dragons they're hungry and there's plenty of you guys to go around <laughs> i wanted them all to die i wanted to see some true retribution for the body of Sir Barrison, the bold, yeah, who crossed the continent to serve Daenerys Targaryen, butchered mm. by cowards and masks. I was hoping for maybe like him to wake up, 
Just wake up. It's like no. Here I, I am. Truly had one of those Mufasa moments. I felt like Simba. <laughs> Just wake up. Just wake you know up. when her plan is revealed at at sort of the beginning of the episode, as you mentioned, um, to his dar, and he's like, "But I am the head of an ancient family." <laughs> They're like, "Yep, yep, yep." Dario nods. Yep. And they take him away. Not um, too bad. You know, he explains at the end uh, his sort of determination when she's intimidating all the rest of the masters. She puts her hand on him, right? And he says, oh, Valor Morghulis. Um, And he's very, like, stone-faced, very, like, I don't know. It seems like he might be a little bit guilty or he might be in some way complicit. It, it really seems that way to me from the beginning of the episode, the way his eyes darted when Dario suggested uh, weeding out the rats. Oh, yeah, and Dario's just, just looking right at him. Yeah, and he kind of, like, looks away and averts his eyes, like, he is in some way complicit, and that is it, in the um, in the actions of the uh, Sons of the Harpy. He may not be a Son of the Harpy, but he certainly, as fuck, knows a few of them, I'm sure, convinced. And uh, as a result, you know, Danny might be, in doing the right thing here, uh, in making him the luckiest man alive uh, <laughs> right now, she may be treading on glass. Um, we don't really think that Daenerys is doing this to be nice. No, 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 no. But will it? Will it really solve the issue? Because if he is, I don't think it will. I don't think it'll solve the problem. But I agree with Zach. I, I think there's underlying motive here for Daenerys oh, yeah. and what she's doing. She just didn't all of a sudden decide after she threw one of the masters to her dragons next day. Oh, I'm going to open the fighting okay. pits and I'm going to marry his Do you remember when Daenerys walked across the red waste with a? With a dying, thirsty, exhausted Kalasar, and the mm-hmm. richest man in Koth, with a vault full of n- bullshit, offered her his <laughs> hand in marriage, and a million ships, all the ships, and she could have been in Westeros months ago, with huge dragons, and yada, yada. And she turned him down? Yada. She turned him down then. She's the queen. She's, I don't need to set up. We know where Daenerys, Daenerys is right now. There's not yeah. a single way in hell that she's going to walk up into to his dar, no matter what it takes, no matter what it takes to have peace in her city and actually marry him for an actual purpose. She's clearly pivoting off of the conversation with Masande. Okay, we'll open the fighting pits. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, to please the Miranese, I will marry ahead of a very noble, very res- well-respected family. Luckily, there's one here already on, on his, his knees. knees. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stay in your cell, pal. Remember what she did to Krasnus and how she played that whole situation. We're thinking that not only is uh, Hisdar responsible in some part for the actions of these, but she's actually also just being disingenuous and being a trickster. Well, I mean, I don't think that she's being... I don't think she's she's trying to be very tricksy about it. She leaves him in a cell and makes a crack about him being on his knees. Yeah emasculating the hell out of this guy, which I loved. And I can't say for sure if his dar does have a direct involvement with what's happening. I think it's very clear that he is associated in some way. And he's one of the people that helped carry on this tradition that she's stamping out. And it's, that's her prerogative. I can't really say if I agree or disagree, but this is what's happening. And plus he was just so damn annoying about the fighting pits, like leave him in a cell, scare him a little bit. Why not? Because she, he wasted so much of her time. He's an interesting character to 
try and figure out because you don't really know what his motivations are. You can only guess at this point. There's nothing that he's done outside you know, him coming before Danny multiple times to request that these fighting pits be reopened. You don't know if that's just because he wants to see the traditions of his city continue to go on and, and really in order to keep the peace that this would be a way to solve that problem. Maybe part of him really does believe that maybe he's somebody who tremendously profits from these fights mm -hmm. that take place in these pits. Right. And I, I can't help but think that there is something to his dar and it all just seems too coincidental that these sons of the harpy would emerge and do what they've been doing in and around Marine over the course of the last several episodes with, uh, you know, what happened in that brothel and what happened in the streets and the back alley to Grey Worm and Sir Barristan and it, not saying that it was intentional for Barristan to die, but I, I don't think that Hisdar's hands are completely washed clean of all that's going on in Marine. Yeah, I mean, time will tell if he really just wanted to see the traditions honored. I think that, honestly, I, I, I saw the value in what he was saying to her earlier about honoring the traditions. You you really should meet people halfway if you're talking about centuries of this, that, the other thing. She found a way to do it where only free men are fighting. Great. That should have been an obvious uh, solution a couple episodes ago. But hey, they're they're yeah. playing at something here. She's learning as a ruler. I just hope that her takeover, her Westeros, goes a little smoother. Let's just say that. Um, you know, she, she's facing a lot of issues here and it's taking up a lot of her time, but frankly, I'm enjoying watching it and who the hell knows where Westeros is going to be at in terms of what their king is in terms of, I mean, everything is shaky. We Cersei, uh, and the Lannisters slash Baratheon doesn't, doesn't, don't have power there and really nobody's in charge at the moment. And it's, it's fun to think that so far along, we still don't have a better idea of, what the end game is or who's really going to be in, in power. I don't know. It's just the way, the way the Daenerys storyline is paced. There's, they've managed to throw a lot up in the air and make me care about this particular storyline even more. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that, you know, they're going to introduce Tyrion to the whole mix, but in general, just the, there's a lot of characters that we cared about, especially Barristan, um, who are fighting for that cause and seeing her get support from Aemon and, you know, Sam as well. It's just people are preparing for a Targaryen return to to basically the the fray, and it, it'll be really interesting. Interesting to see how they literally take it if it does happen. Like it's it's cool to talk about and and for them to be like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? She's all the way out there past the Doom of Old Valyria in a place that has a pyramid district. She has no need to come here. It has a pyramid district. Think about that. <laughs> There's no pyramid. There's nothing that nice in Westeros. I mean, uh, just flea bottom. There's a shit pipe that goes outside. The <laughs> shit pipe. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sewer that hangs through the middle of the city. Yeah. O but. Only time will tell, and I can say that, like the three heads of the dragon, we are very delighted to share in this journey with you. I feel like we're all on a, a little small sailboat together. All of us just crammed in. It's a tight fit. Mike is at the head of the of the boat, just tearing mm -hmm. off breadcrumbs, throwing it in the water for the seagulls to eat. Eric's down below, sipping ale with Theon Greyjoy, and 
Um, I'm somewhere around the top of the crow's nest, just kind of looking in the sky, hoping for a dragon. I hope your your little comparison there properly foreshadowed who we'd be giving our owns to. <laughs> Zach in the crow's nest going to give his own to the one of the crows, right? I'm with Theon. That's well. Let's just say that uh, I had already planned yes to give oh. my own. Uh, my own of this episode will oh, be boy. going to Theon Greyjoy. Shock. Uh, thrilled, thrilled, and pleased and excited to be able to do this, but. Uh, you know, I really feel there's a great enough deal of the rec- uh, realization, recognition, memory of who Theon was within him still. I refuse to call him Reek. There's still enough Theon in him that the redemptive redemption storyline can still happen that I'm so looking forward to. And at the very least, he attempted to lie to Ramsay about the encounter with Sansa. Is there anything you'd like to tell me, Reek? No, mm-hmm. master. He fucking knew. He <laughs> knew. You know how he knew? Because Miranda probably went and told him, this is what I just did. Isn't it crazy? And he was like, yeah, shit, that's crazy. Bite me again. <laughs> so that probably happened exactly that way. But at the same time, Reek slash Theon thought he could get away with it, thought he was protecting himself. That instinct that should, by all accounts, be completely beaten out of Theon at this point, that instinct to lie to save yourself, should be gone with his manhood with the rest of him. He's no longer Ironborn after all, but it's not. Own to Theon Greyjoy. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> oh, boy. How do you follow I'm that going to Micah? stay in the uh, same room at the uh, same dinner table uh, and I'm going to give it to that. one Sansa Stark and mm. I think I mentioned this earlier in uh, <laughs> group text with Zach and Eric that's me the look that Sansa gives Ramsay after <laughs> Walda Frey announces that she's pregnant was just priceless and it was just a glimmer of hope for Sansa uh a young woman who has gone through so much over the course of these last several years that we've been with her and just the facial reaction that you see from Sophie Turner as she turns uh, as Sansa to Ramsey was just own worthy. What now brown cow? <laughs> How do I follow either of these owns? By giving an own that's just as own worthy. Stannis the Manus grammar police. <laughs> Where do you begin between I'm really thankful that we have the upcoming episode in the week to because I'm sure that a lot of these are going to be covered. But honestly, where 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 do you begin? Uh, there was a boat that looked like the boat from Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. That's pretty cool, minus the sail, minus the captain. Yeah. <laughs> there was an incredible exchange between Stannis and Davos. So quick, little callback to previous grammar policing, and it was it was just endearing. It was it was fun. I could easily give my own to Shireen's beautiful antler cloak pen. Oh. Did you guys see that? It was so cool. We'll revisit all of these things very soon. I have to give my own to the slow meandering passage into the doom of old Valyria and the beautiful session of poetry, the verses telling us so much of the past while telling us so much of the land and the future yeah, just just that opening sequence that you get when they are gazing down the body of water towards Valyria, and you see the smoke rising. Smoking sea. It's just unbelievable. And I think, and I tweeted this out too, 
that Jorah has finally found somebody who is as knowledgeable about history as he is. And he is just like tickled pink about it. Do you see the mm-hmm. smile on his face when yeah. Tyrion starts jumping in there? It was he nice. was like a pig rolling in his own shit. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, finally, I found somebody who I can talk to about this stuff. You appreciate poetry. I appreciate poetry. Yeah, and and, and it was just a, a great exchange. And I, honestly, it's it's combative to be one of my favorite scenes, my favorite sequences in the show thus far. I thought it was just, you know, that kind of thing is, uh, if you've listened to the show, you've probably picked up on the sorts of things that I gravitate toward. And uh it, it just did so much to expand the world, and I felt like it did such a service to the lore. And they used two of my favorite characters to do it. And this is not to mention the the jabs that were bouncing back and forth, and we were learning about the the motto of or the uh, the tagline for House Mormont that I'm sure we'll drop about a thousand times in our follow up episode this week because it was hilarious. But it was just it did it, you know, it did it for me. Whatever that means. I know that we're, you're listening to this and you're expecting a little bit more substance out of the voices speaking in your ears, but that's it. That's all I got. I, it did it for me. I hope it did it for you guys too. And those are just uh, several of the owns that uh, come away from episode five, but we know, oh, we know, we know that uh, there will be hundreds more that uh, we will pour through over the course of the next couple of days to collect in our satchel and put on the fire <laughs> later on we'll burn them in the all week. Once. That's what causes the cause the doom. All of the owns mm-hmm. at once burning. Yeah. In <laughs> nice. I, I will say I, I did have a lot of fun live tweeting again uh, this past Sunday and just the engagement from the community and seeing how all these other people who love Game of Thrones souls. experience the show live and getting the owns almost instantaneously after the show was over. A few people jumped the gun a little bit when they <laughs> thought that it was over and when Tyrion oh. fell into the water. Uh, but uh, we got a few more, and by few I mean many, 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 many more, uh, after the uh, the credits rolled. And just the, uh, the sheer creativity and ingenuity uh, around the owns, around the hashtags that people create is something that I look forward to reading every week. I know, you know when we get together, one of the things we l- we're looking forward to the most is reading those owns and just the laughs that we have because uh, I'm sure somehow Sir Pounce is going to make his way he always into, does. <laughs> into the owns uh, this week. And uh, there are... Right, Eric? A a number of different ways that people can submit their owns. That is right, Micah. We've gotten several emails, uh, which we look very forward to reading. Uh, But email is a way to contact us and to be verbose about it. So uh, any email that you send us, uh, letters, very thoughtful remarks, or just owns, but, you know, outside of the 140-character limit, can be sent to us at contact at gameofowns.com. And then, of course, there is Twitter and Facebook for those of you wanting to tweet at us. At Game of Owns is our handle. And if you'd like to scrawl upon our wall over at Facebook, simply go to facebook.com slash gameofowns. To all the crispy critters that are patronizing our Patreon page. Crispy is that how critters? you say it? Is that the correct patronizing? way to do it? Hmm, patronizing? Perhaps. Those of you at the hedge knight level have been treated to a delicate reading 
and interpretation of past <laughs> events in our history as set up before in a past episode of the show from Eric Skull. And can I say the French Baroque <laughs> introductioning? I do Bellissima. enjoy. I had to pick different music for our chapter readings because this is, after all, a different uh, a different book, a new book, new music. That's how that's how it works. But yes, the first part of our Hedge Knight read through series is now live over on Patreon. You can find out how to get this, how to listen to this, and enjoy along with us the first of several Dunk and Egg stories. Uh, and just the little bit that we were able to read um, the other morning uh, and release immediately to our adoring patrons uh, was wonderfully exciting and a lot of good old history and going through the families that are all at this tournament or tourney. Uh, again, just reminded me how rich the backstory is okay. for this world. Uh, so definitely great uh, to be doing that, to be reading through it. I know Micah and Zach, you guys are up next. So you will enjoy, as mm -hmm. I did, reading that story. And hopefully uh, we've heard nothing but good things over on our Patreon. But hopefully you uh, will join us over there and enjoy as everyone else is listening to this wonderful story. We're very grateful to those of you who have contributed and who continue to contribute to what we've done and what we will continue to do. This has been a blast. And I can only say with, with pure honesty in my heart, anything that creates the reality where Eric and Micah are sitting in a room together and recording a small advertisement for something that we will post. And you'll probably, by the time you're listening to it, will be uh, on our Twitter or Facebook. Uh, and I heavily encourage you to go watch that. Any, anything that creates that reality, I'm a huge fan and a supporter of. So thank you very much to everyone, because not only has that been very exciting in my life, but all this together has been uh, really special. The address of our Patreon, where you can find it specifically on the interwebs, up in your address bar is by typing patreon.com slash goo. So that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The last bit is kind of like Theon. Uh, .com slash goo. And we on Instagram, too. You can follow us there as well. We post cool shit. That's all you need to know. <laughs> How was that for an Instagram plug? That, that'll do it. Very succinct, uh, like our Instagram posts. And, of course, there is one other way you can get in touch with the show, and that is on iTunes, most likely the place you downloaded this episode. Uh, if you head on over to... The rate and review section, which is uh, more formally known as ratings and review, it's the little uh, button in between details and related. Follow the illuminated path. <laughs> yes, follow the illuminated path, uh, the illuminated path of five stars, which in the month of May, nothing. nothing. I, would, I don't even know how grammar, I need stats. Nothing fewer to, than five stars is acceptable. <laughs> Finally, we're exactly. now grammatically Finally. correct. Thanks, Stannis the Grammar Manis. <laughs> Nothing One fewer than five stars is acceptable. Grammar. This is perfect. In the month of May, iTunes is really a place where those who are interested perfect. in additional Game of Thrones content, i.e., podcasts, can find out that we exist. And the way that they do that is by reading the reviews, finding out what's hip, what's cool. And we are definitely. All of those things. All too. We appreciate you yeah, leaving your uh, feedback in a review, but also uh, clicking on all five of those stars because, you know, shit happens. Uh, you may get grayscale if you don't. Ooh, that was a threat. Those. The threats are yeah. back. That's that's scary. 
I, I hear it's a bitch to scrub off. Just ask Jorah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we thought we'd read a couple of these reviews uh, because it has been a while, but we've gotten in several of them over the course of the last couple of weeks. And um, first one here is from Lily, I guess. So if if you guess Lily, so do we. She Lily, says, I guess. excellent. My favorite Game of Thrones podcast. I always like to listen and debrief. Good banter and interesting commentary. Mm, interesting we guess. Thank you, Lily. I guess. Yes. Also, we heard yes. from Old Brown Wookiee. <laughs> the podcast that owns all others. I look forward to this podcast. It's the highlight of some of my long drives. Great discussion, great host, great quality production. Keep up the fantastic work. I hope you're safe on Kashyyyk. I heard the highways are great. Gil Pound says, the best Game of Thrones podcast out there. I mostly love hearing Micah say, quote, we'll see, <laughs> when Eric and Zach speculate on what's going to happen next in the show. The back catalog is definitely worth listening to. Great way to pass Aww. my daily walks with my dog, Sonny. The blind <laughs> Sonny! Keep up with your walk. That's the best review out there. 25 of 25 people found it useful. Well, I'll go ahead and read this next one, just so Micah doesn't have to. It's subjected, if that's a word. Micah. Stannis, where are you? Micah is the bomb diggity in all caps. I don't want to yell it because my, my dire wolf is beside me and he may become feral. The review is as follows. What else is there to say? This is an incredible podcast and in that every true GOT or a Song of Ice and Fire fan should listen to. That was very kind. Thank you. By the way, one of the co-hosts on this podcast has a baritone voice so deep you could literally make you shit your pants just by listening to it. Wow. <laughs> Who's that? I believe you're Terry. You, Micah. Oh. So well, be mindful nice. of what you're yes, causing. Yes, add laxative to our considerable list of talents. I do what I can. Uh, we also heard from our good friend, Wooly Mammoth Mamjeth. Holy shit. That's a good These one. These people have some interesting iTunes names. Uh, they say, I like it. I like it I a, like lot. a lot. So uh, we appreciate that uh insightful uh, review. And then finally from Anthony G. Simply the best. Anthony says, this is simply the best podcast that covers Game of Thrones. I've listened to many of the dozens of related podcasts out there, and every time I long to go back to Game of Owns. The guys do a great job analyzing each show, and you get great sullied and unsullied reactions. Also, the ability to give your owns of each episode is the hands-down best way to interact with listeners and fellow fans of the show. If you're looking for a place to scratch your Game of Thrones itch, this is it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thank no, you, sir. No, no, that was, I, I can't that top was that. So yeah. I don't, I don't know what That's we're going to do. Kind. We'll just close the show. And I think it's important to mention that, you know, uh, these are obviously uh, very nice in nature, and uh, it's it's cool to cool to hear these things read, but... It's it's uh it's for due respect to the audience that that cares enough to to go and leave these words for other listeners to find to stumble across. So we can't thank you guys enough for the for the kind words and all of your creative suggestions over the years. This community has been the guiding light in uh, this process that we've all built together, and it will continue to be so. And uh, I guess just. Well, I'm on the subject. Thanks again for making this season be so much fun so far. We're, we're through the fifth episode, and it makes me sad to think that there's only going to be a handful more left 
So let's let's do it big. Let's let's have a great time with it, and let's let's go out of season five with a complete yeah. bang. I'd, l- I'd love to do that. There's obviously a lot more to talk about from this episode. We've reached the halfway point of the season, which is insane to think about. We'll be five episodes further along before we know it. The season will be over. <laughs> I'm crying now. Crying, There's something in my eye. I'm already crying. There's uh, Stone Men and Grayscale and the Doom of Old Valyria. Dragons and imps and falling snow, John Snow, lonely dragons, not so lonely dragons, CPR on a dwarf. This is where we begin, and our following episode this week is where we finish. So please stay tuned. We'll be here for you and with you, holding your hand until the end of season five. And don't forget your owns. Valeria, Valeria. Clap. 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 That's literally two seconds into my audio track. (laughs) (laughs) The doom rule unto thee. Unto thee. (laughs) And Danny comes in and she does a verse. I want to go back home (laughs) where my family is from. Still there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're here. No, it's just my connection completely dropped so uh, it's gonna be an interesting night i see like basically i, I touched on winterfell and said how oh damn you know, like basically one two three valeria valeria the doom is over thee we presume to escape the stone men what the hell's going on <laughs> from this side of the coliseum grayscale is welcome who exist we even have gray beard <laughs> <laughs>